Luke 9, and we'll read the same verses that we started with, the last two, and we want to finish with this today on one point. I'm not going to do a big recap because it would just take too long, but rather we're just going to go more or less straight, almost straight anyhow, into our last and final point on this. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said unto him, Foxes of oaks and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first suffer me to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thy and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, if I will, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at, my, at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Father, take your word and inscribe it in our hearts. Take your word and imprint it upon our minds. And let us leave with your word alive in us through your spirit. Challenge us. Convict us. Convince us. Compel us. Correct us. Whatever you deem fit to do, Father, we pray you do it because we know you have a heart for us. And your mind is toward us. Glorify your own name, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You remember in uh, putting first things first, the first two uh, mornings that we looked at, in our reading there's a man who comes to Christ and says, I will follow you, Lord. And when he says this, he says, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And it doesn't matter where, so he's going. And the Lord tells him, foxes of holes, the birds of the earth of nests, but the son of man of not where to lay his head. He challenges him really in saying, do you still want to follow me? Do you still want to come after me? And of course, we looked at it that with this challenge, the first thing that the Lord had challenged was the man's luxuries. And we looked at that. And then secondly, he turns from this man to another. This man comes to Christ. Man number one comes to Christ. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. But Jesus turns to another and he says to the second man, verse 59, and he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first. Go bury my father. And we looked how the man isn't looking to go home because his father has died and he needs to bury him. But rather, I want to look after my father until he dies. Then I'll come follow you. And the idea isn't that Jesus was being uh, harsh, but Christ knew that he, his father, that is, wasn't even ready to die. And so the first time is put first things first, and he challenges him. First of all, he challenges the first one with his luxuries. Secondly, he challenges the second one with his duties before him. I'll go look after my father. Nothing wrong with looking after your parents. By all means, we should do that. That's not, that's not what he means. But the idea of this is, before Christ, he would put even his family 
And then, so thirdly, when we look at this morning's message, let your eye run down to our reading. And he says in verse 61 to another, another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but first let me go bid them farewell, which were at my home, not my house. At my house. So this morning we want to look at this one is putting first things first. There was our luxuries. There was our duties. Now there's our families. Our luxuries, our duties, now our families. You see, when we think about this, people tend to think that because the Lord is starting to speak about him being first, even before family, Even before family, the unsaved especially may turn around and say, well, what sort of a God is that? What sort of a savior is that, that God would expect you to love him first over me, if you're a mother or a father or whatever? And the idea of it is, is those who, who go by God's word and the institution of the family, if it is looked after at home, then you're really saying, showing in your home that, the, that you love the Lord. Loving the Lord will cause you to love your family. But loving the Lord first will cause you to look after your family. And when a man and a woman, we look briefly at them, when a man and a woman are not able to, uh, not able to, to stay together because maybe one spouse is abusive, God doesn't expect a woman to be in an abusive place where she's being abused. But the idea of this is, is to keep loving him and love him first. And if a man loves the Lord, he'll look after his family. I'm going to say it again, brother. If a man loves the Lord, he will look after his family. So the Lord's saying, but do you love me? When you follow me, am I first? Another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me go first. Let me go first. See, God believes in the family. The family unit is being destroyed and broken down in this day and age. It's being destroyed and broken down by devilish, fiend, fiendish plans. For, the, for example, the, the libertarianism and the, the very ideas of same-sex marriage is breaks down the God-instituted family unit. To break it down. And so we find in this, now take note, we find in this that this man is saying, let me go... Say goodbye. There's nothing wrong with him saying goodbye, but there's something more, more implications are in this. And this is when God, the Lord starts to lay down things on people. God starts to lay duties down on people. God starts to give them more meat to eat rather than the milk to drink. Notice this. First of all, God does believe in the family unit because he instituted it. It's the building block of our society. But if you turn to Matthew chapter 10, 
Turn to Matthew chapter 10. There are some people in marriages, they can't help what has happened to them. They've had it broken, they can't help it. They've been destroyed themselves. Brothers and sisters, I want to let you know we're not here to destroy, we're here to rescue, we're here to encourage. We're here to strengthen. We're here to welcome. Now this, this is not what this is about. This is about a family unit. This is about not only just marriage, but this is about family unit as in sons' relation to fathers and daughters' relation to fathers and fathers and mothers to their children. So it's everything. Now you notice this. Matthew 10, verse 34. Jesus says, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. There's gentle Jesus making mind for you that we're told about all the time. He's come to send his word to pierce hearts, he means. He's come to call men and women. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against their mother, and the daughter against their, and the daughter again, daughter-in-law against their mother-in-law. Pardon me. And the man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Notice, he that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Now notice what Jesus is saying to you and I. You're going to have strife in your home. See when it doesn't matter where people come from a Roman Catholic background or a Protestant background or whatever background they come from. I came from a, a nominal, if I can call it, Presbyterian background. Nothing against the Presbyterians. I'm just saying that's where I came from. And yet my, my family weren't saved. My family hardly went to church. My mother did mostly uh, out of all of us, but we didn't want to know. But when I got saved, and I mean when I got saved, and I told my family that I'd been saved, they thought I had lost the plot. And although my mom and dad loved me right to their last breath. And even though in their last breaths, what I had, they received coming up to their, their death. They received, that was Christ. But in that time, I could even feel at times with my, my dad even more that although being inquisitive, he could be argumentative. And with even the rest of my family, there was a drifting there's a drifting from me. Well, I still love them and they love me, but that, it's, it's a, a weariness even, you know. And all my old friends, we departed. All gone. Because you've you got to put Christ first. And Jesus says these things will happen in the home. But do you love me enough even if your family leave you? 
Do you love me first? Do you know what I found? But the love that Christ gave me for my family was a greater love than I thought I even had before I was saved. A care for them, a softer heart toward them. And then he says this, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. We all love our our parents. Well, most of us would, I'm sure. Some people didn't grow up with a great life, but naturally, we, in, a, in a proper way, we, we would love our parents dearly. Many of you have lost your parents. I've lost mine. My, my, parent, when my parents died, it broke my heart. It destroyed me. But even in that, I still would not allow anything to hold me back from Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, things will happen in your life and people will be taken from our life. People will die. It's a natural process of things that happen on the earth. But when these things happen, it's always, well, why him or why her? And we don't have answers to everything. We will know in the by and by. We will know at that time. But to fall away from Christ because, well, he took my mom or dad or whatever, we must love him first. That's tough, isn't it? Isn't that tough? Isn't that a tall order? He says, if you love your mom and dad more than me, you're not worthy of me. And he seems very harsh in this, but we're going to look at other things in a moment. You see, it seems as if God isn't interested in our family life. And I want to say, but as we're looking at this, God is interested in our national life. Our national life, God is interested in it. God is interested in our church life. God is interested in our family life and the home. God is interested in our personal life. And God's word, he wants our word to be from national right the whole way down through to the individual. That the word of the Lord would be that living word in the spirit, that organism that lives in the hearts of men and women, that living word that was forever settled in heaven that you and I, as believers, and, 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 and the whole nation, as it were, living for God from government laws right down. For example, in the Bible, We'll not turn to them, but you can jot them down and look at them. Time just doesn't allow me. In Exodus 23, God even tells you how to farm the land properly. Rest the land one year and seven. Or rest one field if you have seven fields, rest one. And it's the line of creation, six days then he rested. It's the, it's the millenniums till Christ's return from Adam to now, it's been about six millenniums. The next millennium will be at the coming of Christ. And there's our rest entering in. So God even says, he said to Israel in Exodus, and he also says it again in Leviticus 25. Exodus 23, Leviticus 25, rest the land. And today we find out what? That when the land is rested, it gathers more minerals for the fruit or the vegetables or whatever's growing in it, the crops. And God told us that the whole way back. See, he's interested in us. 
For example, if we were to go to Leviticus 11, you can write that down too. God told them what to eat to keep healthy. Stay away from the crustaceans. From the shellfish and all that. He says, they're bottom feeders. That's the dustbin of the earth. Stay away from them. Don't eat the, don't eat the raptor bird. Like the hawk and the eagle. And people go, imagine eating a hawk or an eagle. Well, he said, don't eat a pig and you'll eat it too. And he says all these things are to be kept in order to keep you healthy. When it says, I am the Lord that healeth thee, he's actually also saying, I'm not, yes, he heals, but I am the Lord who keeps you in health. God is interested. And yet when we look at what our, our lands, our, 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 the crops are spread with, or whatever, uh, we look at the additives that's into the government from government level, we look at the, all these, we hear of the E-numbers and all these sort of things. Is it any wonder there's so much Illness with all the things we're consuming. We're drinking, uh, we, we, we drink um, soft drinks that, that, that rot away metal, and we drink them by the gallon, some of us. God says, I'm the Lord who wants to look after you. This is what you do. Don't eat that. So God is interested. He's interested in money lending. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, he's interested and tells us what to do about stealing. How to recompense and how to repay. He's interested that if an animal gores like a bull or someone, something, or an ox gores someone, and they were innocent, not on their field, how, how does the law deal with that? God was so interested in it, he gave it to us. That's how interested God is in you and I. Talks about stealing, thou shalt not steal, but he also talks about chastisement of it. Talks about the lending, borrowing, giving. Talks about the temple or church life of the nation. God is interested in you, brother, and he's interested in me. He's interested in you, sister. God is interested in what has happened in our nation over the last few days here with the elections. Praise God. He is interested in all of it. But he says to this man, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. That's not his salvation. I looked at that in part one. That's furrowing, plowing a straight furrow. If you keep looking back, you're going to go off course. God is interested in your life, in your family. Exodus chapter 20, in verse 12, says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That's to the young people, that's to the older people who still have parents. Honor them. So the Lord wasn't saying that to one man, don't go bury your father. He wasn't saying to another one, don't say cheerio to your family. He wasn't saying that. He knew their heart and he knew what was behind it and he knew he really wasn't first if that's what they wanted. We come to him and say, Lord, I want you to be first in my life. And he challenges us with something. Ah. Different story. Different story. Listen to this. In Ephesians 6 and 2, 
And also in Ephesians 6 and verse 4, it says, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He's interested with how the fathers display the Lord before him and before their children. Father, we always look, well, we'll not, uh, you know, we're not going to keep them going or be argumentative with them. Yes, by all means. But what the Lord is saying is this to the fathers here. He's saying, be a priest of your home. Be the man, the spiritual head to lead it. And in that, he's saying, show your children, no matter what, that God reigns in your family. Don't provoke your children to wrath. And then he says in Colossians 3 and 21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So we have some things that we need to maybe put right in our own families and lives. So our families, first things first, or Christ, is he first? You see, the idea here is the man says in Luke 9, let me first go bid them farewell which are at my home. Now, why did Jesus not say, okay, I'll, I'll wait on you, hurry up and go? Do you know family influence may hinder the call of God in your life? I want you to get it. Family influence may hinder the call of God on your life. Family tradition, your family's religion, Family denomination may quench the inward working of the Spirit of God in you. I want to go and see my family first and ask their permission to the mind if I get saved. No. I, I, I want to go and I want to ask my mum and my dad, or I want to go and I want to ask my children, I want to ask my brothers, my sisters, I want to ask those who are around me, my friends and all, what do you think of me getting saved? Would that be all right? Let me go and say, I'm thinking of becoming a Christian. I'm thinking of getting saved. And I, 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 I know Jesus has been speaking to me. Is that okay? Or I'm thinking of going to a mission field if you're saved. I'm thinking of going to do this, that, or the other work for the Lord. I'm thinking of, of going, doing whatever the Lord has called you to do. Let me first go and ask my, my family. Let me first go and ask my friends. And is that okay if I go to do that? What if they say no? Don't go. But what if you place your heart in the hands of God now? By the time you get to your family, you know what's going to happen? If your heart is in the hands of the Lord, no matter what they say, he will come first. It has been done in your heart. It has been finished in your heart. Now notice again, Family may hold you back rather than encourage you on. Family may hold you back rather than encourage you on. You see, I remember one of my family members, well, it was my younger brother. He wasn't saved at that time. 
And I'd been going with the Lord for quite some time. And I was in the car with him, and he'll probably not even remember it because it was maybe, maybe he will. And he was giving me a lift in his car, and he pulled over. And he was talking about different things, and he was, he was annoyed at me being different and saved and a Christian, not out in the clubs and drinking and doing what I'd done. And before I got out, he turned and he said, he just put his hand across me like that, and he said angrily, I want my brother back. I want my brother back. And I looked to him, I said, Stephen, that brother's dead. That brother's dead. But you can come with this brother who's still your brother and loves you in Christ. Sometimes family, sometimes they can hold you back rather than encourage you on. One of the, one of the great uh, precious chestnuts you usually get is this. I've got saved. Isn't that fantastic, but just don't come preaching to me. Isn't that true? It's good for you, but it's not for me. Family usually do that. Family can be your hardest to witness to. You know why it can be the hardest to witness to? Because they know who you were outside of Christ. They know all your wee sneaky faults. And they can get the wee, the wee pin and pick out the wee, the wee thread and pull it. They know how to push your buttons to cause you to lose your sanctification sometimes. You know the steam. I don't, I don't be losing it too much. Well, the steam coming out your ears at times. See, your family can do that. And Jesus says, you want to follow me? Follow me now. Don't go home and get your dinner and say, I'll think about this. What God is calling you for? And don't, or, or where God's, don't say, I'm, I'll, I'll go home and get my dinner and think about it. No, because by the time you go home and get your dinner and your family's around the table, God's nowhere to be found around most dinner tables. Not all, but most. Remember, first things first. Here's the order for the Christian life. Ready? Christ first. Your family next. And the church fellowship third. The, the walk that you have outside of church, but in Christ, the walk that you have before man and in your family, that walk will prove and show your character. Character isn't known. Your real true character isn't fully known in here like this. Because here we come to worship. Here we come. And many of us come with uh, wearing our hearts in their sleeve. And many of us come with a, a, a mask to try and mask things, how we're feeling. Your real character is when you're at home. I'm going to finish with this also. God is interested in these things. In Ephesians 5, my sisters, this might seem a little hard on you at the start, but bear with me. 
Ephesians 5, verse 21. I'll tell you what, let's go to verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. That's a tall order, sisters, isn't it? And the ladies go quiet. That's a tall order. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now here's a tall order, brethren, for the men. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. I'm going to say it again. Husbands, love your wives. Tall order. You love her, brother, brethren. You love her with all you have. Love her. Let her know she's loved. Your wife should be the most treasured asset outside of Christ. Husbands, love your wives. Notice how much even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The tall order is this, gentlemen. Christ loved you so much he hung on a cross and bled and died for you. He laid down his life for you. And the word of God says, and you love your wife the way Christ has loved you. And when you do, your wife will find, you'll find that your wife respects that. That your wife will respect who you are in Christ. And then you will find that the blessing over your home as you cover the home, your wife, your children, your family, that the blessing of that will come upon you. Here's my closing thought in this. In our reading, in our reading in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, these three men, verse 57, some man comes and says, look, look what he says, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Lord, notice the word, Lord. In verse 60, Jesus said unto one of them, pardon me, verse 59, and Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first, go bury my father. Notice the word, Lord. In verse 60, Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou, preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me 
first go bid them farewell which are at my house. Lord, Lord, Lord. Hmm. The idea that many scholars think here is that these three men followed Jesus, not in the twelve, but they were followers of Christ to a certain degree, calling him Lord, Lord, and Lord. But when Christ came and led the whole bale of hay to them, they were on the outskirts of his following. It's like in John 6 where those who came to be fed, and Jesus says that he was the bread of God sent down from heaven, when he says to eat his flesh and drink his blood, they were going, we, we, we can't, we, we can't uh, follow you after you send this. And they all started to leave him. Read it when you go home, John chapter 6. They all started to leave him. And Jesus says to the twelve, will you also go away and leave me? And Peter turns on to him and says, Lord, to whom else will we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And so here the idea is that these men were some of these followers who were fringe followers, who were liking the miracle side. They liked the sign and wonder side. They liked the, 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 the soft word full of grace side. They liked to follow a little bit, but didn't want to get too far or too deep into Jesus. They didn't want to follow him, hard after him, I should say. But when Christ turns and says, one comes and says, I'll, I'll follow you, and he lays it down. There's nowhere to stay. Give up your luxuries. Oh. And he turns to another, follow me. Uh, let me go bury my father. And he turns to another on the French. This one comes to the other, to him, and he says, I'll follow you, but, but let me go say cheerio. Let me go think of another influence. See, they were following to a certain degree, and there's, there, there, are, there are those who followed Christ to a certain degree, who go in with Christ to a certain level, if you want, who only tip in so far, and then when things start to seem like it's getting outside their comfort zone and their, their little mental godly box that they have, they don't want to know it. But Jesus laid it down here and he says, baby, put first things first. There's no Puritan called Thomas Adams. And he says, obedience hath no lead at its heels. I'm going to follow you, Lord. Wait on me, Lord. I'll go just this way a wee minute. I'll be back in a minute, Lord. Lead on your heels. But obedience. You're my Lord. Do you want to come from the outside in? Do you want to come from the the realm of the fringes of following Christ. You want to come in closer? He says, I'm interested in you. I'm interested in you. But he says, are you interested in me? My brothers and sisters, before we go, please note, this message was to all of us. It wasn't to people who are struggling in family life, or it's to all, all, or those who have had difficulties in marriage. It's to all of us that where we are, where we are, let's not be in the fringe. Don't you let past life and problems and things that are happening even now, don't let them hinder you. Because you know what's happening? The devil whispering in your ear, oh, sure, 
your life is like that. Remember your past. Listen, you need to say, Lord, I'm not staying on the fringes anymore. I'm coming in. That's what this is about. Put first things first. Say, I'm coming in, Lord. Coming closer that I may be in closer fellowship with thee. God bless his word to all of our hearts. Amen.